Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we come to you at yet another perilous moment in the history of our great country. If it was a soap opera, we would be saying, look at them, ravaged by a moronic leader, a Mm -hmm. disease, struggling to deal with racism. Will they make it? Will they survive till next week? We're not sure. And... One thing Danielle and I have been talking about a little on the show and a little off the show is what we should do as citizens of the globe in terms of should we be taking our business as citizens elsewhere? Should we, if we're that unhappy with the direction America's going and you see into the future, it looks like it's going to be a shitstorm in America for a while, should you leave America or should you stay? And I know Danielle has a sister who lives in Vietnam, so she's already acculturated to the idea of living elsewhere. And you are totally open to the idea of getting the fuck out of here. Um, I am completely open to the idea of getting the fuck out of here because, you know, when even just your the opening description, right? Like if you are looking at America from outside of America right now, this place is dangerous. It is diseased and it is currently um, being occupied by a fucking moron. So <laughs> like there is there is no there is no good place. There is no good room. And like, frankly, if it was a show, I'd be eating popcorn and being like, oh, they ain't gonna make it. I'd be that black person in the back of the fucking theater. Girl, run, run. They're gonna die. You're not gonna make, you gonna die. Like that would be me. They're all gonna die. That would be me because America is like, is ill right now. America is sick in so many, in so many ways. And so I think that an important question For those of us who would have the privilege, right, the financial privilege to, in fact, pick up and move, is to ask ourselves, have we given enough? Is it time to potentially go elsewhere, right? This country, I've been here decades. 
I don't feel good about the direction it's going in. I don't feel good about the fact that our ancestors had already had to bleed and sacrifice and die for a land that we're still fighting 500 years later for fucking freedom. Like, I just, there has to be a better way, right? Like, there has to be a better life for us to be able to even... Even in, in in just an intellectual exercise to be able to think about the something else than what we have been given. My wife on the night of the election raised the issue of perhaps we should move. And she is an immigrant uh, from Lebanon. So, you know, the idea of leaving, of moving to another country is not uh, unusual to her. It's not foreign to her. Um, she wasn't proposing to go back to Lebanon, but she was like, you know, we can go somewhere else. I've never lived anywhere else other than America. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, and what I said to her is if your friend was sick, you know, with cancer or something very serious, would you run from your friend because she's sick? If your mother God forbid, was in a very serious medical condition, contagious and everything, would you run from her? Or would you say, no, I'm sleeping overnight at the hospital until she gets better? You would be at her bedside. And if America right now is deeply sick, if the good people, if the well-meaning people, if the thoughtful, progressive Uh, black and brown people were to leave for Canada, Jamaica, France, wherever, what would happen to America? I don't know. White people can have it. Why would we abandon (laughs) this country in its hour of need when we need good, smart people to be out in the streets saying, no, things can be better. We're going to stay. We're going to vote. We're going to protest. We're going to fight to make this country better. And I understand that we do that at a at a at a certain risk and perhaps i have a male privilege that you don't have where you're like my body is at risk and i cannot continue to risk um walking around in these streets where hate crimes are happening and could be going up um but i feel like i want to stay and fight the fight has been going on since before i was born Mm -hmm. and i want to pick up the sword and continue to fight to demand that america be better um, so I think that the issue here is, okay, you were equating America to like your dying mother or, you know, or a sister or a good friend. And my pushback to that would be, here's the thing. What if it's terminal, right? What if America has been on fucking life support for 500 years. If we look at this and and say, if we use the Civil Rights Act of 1964 as our marker, we've only been free-ish for 56 years, right? And like, Black people are still being murdered in the streets and we're still out here with T-shirts and signs that say, I am a man, I am a woman. We're still trying to convince white people that we are not chattel, that we are actual human beings when we're being slaughtered in the streets as dogs. And so sometimes I think that it's not about walking away from the hospital and saying, you know what, you're on your own, but it's recognizing that you may not recover 
right? And so do I stop my life? Do, do, I, do I stop living, right? Do I stop trying to seek joy and freedom in, in a different context? Do I stay imprisoned in this place that has never seen me more than an animal to be caged? And I think that that is, that is a real question that we need to be asking. That's something real that needs to be unpacked because I'm not running away from America because I don't love America, but right now I am fearful of America. I am fearful of the place that we are in and the place that we are headed. And frankly, I am not under any false assumption that an election, right, a free and fair one is going to take place in November. And even if it does, that anything is substantially going to change. And so the question Black people, I think, in general, just need to be asking themselves, which is what, you know, uh, liberation and exodus uh, folks uh, were asking in the 1960s, is this this country worth more of our blood, more of our tears, and more of our pain if in in return we're getting nothing? You know, it's, I mean, you make a great point and I fully understand and I fully respect your argument. I don't think that America is over. I don't lose hope for the overall project. I feel myself, and I don't want to say this in some grandiose way, I think a lot of us are connected to the long-term project of hundreds of years of Black Americans demanding America live up to who it claims to be. And that, you know, America in the 1700s, we're the greatest country in the world. And the slaves were like, what the fuck are you talking about? And America had, you know, and Jelani Cobb was like, Juneteenth and liberation isn't a isn't really representing us reaching something new. It's white people reaching a new plateau of understanding that we should not be enslaving these people. And, you know, so then, you know, you get further along in, you know, the 1900s and America's like, we're the greatest country in the world. And the segregated people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? And we're agitating and pushing them. And, you know, Malcolm X is taking it to the United Nations. And finally, we kind of break through some of those barriers. And America's like, we're the greatest country in the world. And, you know, everybody from the from the Black Panthers, you know, and civil rights movement to Black Lives Matter is like, what the fuck are you talking about? And we continue to try to shove them in the direction of honoring their vision of being the greatest in the world. It has been Black Americans who have been consistently pushing them to live up to that pledge and inching ever closer. And the only other point that I would make is that America is special on the globe in that because of our economic, cultural, and military power, that we have a disproportionate amount of impact on the way that the globe functions. So abandoning America in a way is abandoning the globe. And I would say that we have a special duty as global citizens to fight to make America the best it can be, because when America is not, it is damaging to most of the people on the entire planet. Yeah, I think that we have been, I mean, Black people have been in this battle with America since we were brought here, right? Yeah. And I think that at some point in time, I recognize and I understand why people don't want to be here anymore. 
Because on its face, if you are looking at what is unfolding just right now, let's let's not even let's not even look at what has happened, you know, all the centuries before. Let's just look at let's just look at the past four months. This place is a fucking dumpster fire. Right. And if you occupy a black body, you are at risk of being tossed in that dumpster alive while it's lit. So at some point in time, you have to say to yourself, is it worth the risk? Right. You know, we talked about before um, other people who have left the United States over the course of time, other authors, leaders, um, you know, activists that are just like, I cannot create, I cannot do my work. James Baldwin being uh, of one of the most famous. That's like, how can you create like this? How can you, how can you explore? How can you expand in a place that is working so tired, like overtime to shrink you? Um, And so, you know, I want to fight for this country. I do. But does that necessarily mean that I physically need to be on the front lines to do so? Right. Um, And that and, and, and I think about this in the context of mental health. I think about this in the context of how much more we're supposed to give without receiving anything in return how much more we're supposed to offer and push this country to live up to an ideal that sometimes feels like a fairy tale, right? Like freedom and justice for all. Give me your tired, your weak, and your hungry, of course, unless they are brown and coming across a certain border or on a certain ship or speak a certain language. You know, like there's just all of these addendums to freedom here that I, I can't help but, you know, but wonder when I read uh, the New York Times piece by this, um, who I'm assuming is young, uh, Trinidadian woman who wrote, I am black, I'm a black American, I had to get out, was the title of her piece. The racism was too much, I fled. This is by Tiffany Drayton. um, And she she wrote this in early June in the New York Times. And, and I, I was reading it, and I was just like, "Man, she's smart." <laughs> man, she's no, smart. and I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I, you know, I feel the pain that must have sent Baldwin and Richard Wright and others um, to Europe to say, like, "Hey, you know, like, I, I, you know, I, I don't need this. I, I want to be a creative person. I can be more creative there because I feel more accepted." there but if you were to leave america if a horde of us were to leave america does that not impoverish this powerful nation and give an an exponentially an exponentially large amount of power to people who are racist and stupid uh you know and deplorable do are we you know like does not the does not leaving america and abandoning america is that not does that not mean more than leaving almost any country in the globe because of the impact that america has on the globe and dare i say the potential the potential i mean like i understand your pessimism and your anger and your fear and your realistic vision of a 
terrible future for America. But I also see a rising progressive wing, a truly democratic wing of the Democratic Party. It is not necessarily embodied by our the Democratic Party standard bearer, but is embodied by a growing number of people to his left who are out in the streets, to some of whom are in Congress. Um, is that rising to where we can be part of that and let that group help us make America better? I wonder. I think it's possible. And I don't want to leave when there's the chance. If I truly felt America was dead and there's nothing to do, then I would I would consider it. But even then, I think I would want to do something. I want to try but, to exhaust all opportunities to try to make America better. Okay, let me ask you this then. Okay, because I hear I hear exact I hear what you're saying, right? And and I think that what makes America America even in the midst of the dumpster fire that we are currently in is the possibility, right? Um the protesters give me hope. Uh two out black uh people who were still counting the votes, but ran for Congress in New York, um, are going to be are going to make history, right? If all the numbers continue to line up the way they are, then two black out members of Congress will make history, right? Those things give me hope. But in the grand scheme of things, Torre, what would make you feel like America is dead, right? Because if 120,000 and counting people have died unnecessarily because of the callousness, the ineptitude, and just the pure evil coming out of this administration. And seemingly, there's no fucking way to stop this guy, right? Like, seemingly, the the train is off the fucking rails and there is no stopping it. The brakes have been ripped out and we're just all headed over a cliff. Wait, hold on. Before you say there's no stopping the guy, he's losing by 10 to 14 points, depending on which poll don't you're talk looking to me, at. But don't talk to me about polls, because you know how I feel about polls, right? Yeah, I mean, like, polls do I mean, not, polls I, do I, not I, equal the, votes. The Yeah, they don't equal votes, but they are a valuable way of understanding the electorate. And the, uh, the rejection of polling following Hillary's loss is anti-intellectual. And I know that's not your position. And Biden has been, you know, like one poll can be a lie, can be an outlier. But Biden has been consistently winning this thing for months and months. There are a lot of people who are like, no, that's not the guy. We need to reject that. We're moving on from that madness. If you said to me, you know, Roe v. Wade was overturned and we don't know when in the future (laughs) we could get it back. And, you know, DACA was rejected and we see ICE boosted and they're like just roving around, snatching people up left and right. And the war on drugs is ramping up. We're no longer, we're going back in the opposite direction because now the country has gone toward a smart on crime with a rising hint of maybe we should abolish or defund the police away from where we were 10 to 20 years ago, which was increasingly get tough, get tough, get tougher on crime. If that pendulum started to go back in the other direction, you know, and you saw this, these sort of things, more Trump and just the way that Trump is so bad and so dumb that he makes some of us go, wow, George W. Bush wasn't that bad. 
and the GOP could do it again. They could give us somebody who's like, Jesus, Trump wasn't ba- that bad. This Ted Cruz, this Tom Cotton, this freaking moron who they pulled from, you know, when Rush Limbaugh became president, like, this is freaking too much. I don't doubt the GOP's ability to pick somebody who would make Trump look like, damn, he wasn't so bad compared to this asshole. Those things start to happen. And then I might be like, wow, this is really not the country. you know. And I know there okay. have been people throughout this history who have said, this country is not what I want it to be. And I'm moving to Canada. I'm moving to France. And I salute them. I'm not anywhere near there. Well, basically what you just described is that you would feel that America is dead if Donald Trump is reelected in 2020. Because all of the things that you just I need a little bit more, I need a little bit more than as, that, as possibilities yeah. of things that could ha- that could happen that would move you in the direction of like this fucking place is nuts, um, will in fact happen if Donald Trump is able to steal the 2020 election. People being picked up and disappeared. Talk to people that are living in border states that don't know that don't know where their people are. We haven't asked about what's going on in any of the detention centers right no. now of all of the people that have been disappeared by this administration and are either being held hostage or have been disappeared across back across the border from whence they came. Right. So those things, in fact, are happening. If you talk to other people outside in different that uh, that are parts of different communities that are terrorized in a different way than the black community, those things are happening. And so, you know, my feeling is that this election is so fucking consequential on so many in so many ways. And I almost wish that we had never said that phrase before. This election is the most important election we will ever have. I mean, we hear yeah, that with every election. But every this, election they say that. But this one, this one in particular, is really about life or death. Like this one in particular is really the difference between the scenario that you just laid out, which is Stephen Miller's wet fucking dream, and <laughs> like and 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 that not happening is a vote right is a is is a landslide because i won't even say that it's a vote because if biden does not win in an outright landslide they will take this election i mean i guess i don't know i mean you know i i i, I am i am moved by seniors going for biden which has not happened in 20 years, I am moved by seeing uh, a very large number of people who don't like either candidate going for Biden, <laughs> which is a group that Trump won last time around. You know, I'm moved by um, black people and women in general um, siding in big ways with Biden in numbers that are going to be very, very hard for Trump to deal with. Um, I see America lining up for a rejection of this kidney stone that we have passed through <laughs> our body. And, you know, I, 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 I maybe it's, maybe I'm just eternally optimistic and maybe that is, I know it's um, bizarre. A, Maybe maybe that is – I mean I feel like that is American about me, that I remain optimistic even in the, even in the darkest days. And I'm so depressed thinking about 
Breonna Taylor. Yep. Thinking about um, uh, Elijah McClain, which yep. happened a year, almost a year ago. But we're just really learning now this beautiful, kind, 23-year-old, happy-go-lucky boy who played violin for cats. Somebody called the police because he was walking down the street in a ski mask. Can we just say to the folks, do not call the police on a black person who is not committing a crime. That is racist, and you are putting that person's life in jeopardy. The 911 caller fully concedes he's not committing a crime and he's not a danger to anybody, and I don't think he has a weapon. What was the fucking point of the call? That's the thing. Like, that's this is the thing. This is the thing that kills me (laughs) about these fucking white vigilantes. And I, and like, I, I, I just don't understand. I have never in my life been compelled to call the fucking cops because I see somebody doing something that I don't like, right? Like I've never felt like, oh, like that's what the cops are for. The cops are for fucking crime. And I mean crime that is like putting your life at risk, right? You said this, Torre, a couple of episodes ago. Calling a cop in any situation is just adding a gun to a situation where a gun does not need to be in one. So people need to ask themselves and white people listening to this who have friends and family who have fucking done this very same thing. Do I need a gun here? Right? Like, is there a burglar? Burglary that is happening, that is an obvious burglary, that my life is at risk, that if a gun were put in this situation, it would save my life. That's the the question that people need to be asking themselves when they make these bullshit calls to people about, oh, uh, so-and-so is walking down the street in a a mask, or so-and-so, they look like they're holding a BB gun in a store, or so-and-so fell asleep in their car. Like, you need a gun there? White people often look at the cops as a sort of personal security force making sure that the world is going in the right direction. And this boy admittedly was not suspected of a crime, but somebody dropped a dime on him and the cops rolled up and beat the shit out of him. And when the medic came, they injected ketamine into him. I had no idea that that was legal, that a medic could come and inject a sedative into your body and injected a gigantic amount to where his body had a negative reaction and he died in the hospital. And because he died in the hospital, uh, what's that? Because he died in the hospital, I'm not even sure if this is officially... uh, classified as a police killing right no, because they're there's all say these... that it was what some type of allergic reaction as something i mean there's all these different ways that lots of police killings are quali- are, are qualified or classified as something else 
right? Because there's some second step by which you died. So you didn't die because the cop shot you. You died because you had, you know, a lung infection that was exacerbated by the gunshot, which caused a big hole in your lung. And thus that's not counted as a police murder. There's a lot more police murders than we are actually finding out about because a lot of them are classified in a special way. Um, I'm just finding out about this story. It's just starting to really come above ground in the last couple of weeks. There are people who've been on top of this for a while, but he, for some reason, the Elijah McLean story was bubbling under as Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Richard Brooks. I mean, like, you know, there's so many that, to your argument about maybe we should move, you know, like we're out in the streets protesting George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, not talking about Ahmaud Arbery. And as we're in the streets protesting, we are adding more names to the say his name, say her name roles to where when somebody says say his name, I'm like, well, who are we doing now? Are we doing Elijah McClain? Are we doing Richard Brooks? Are we still doing George Floyd? Because, you know, George Floyd should not stand in for all the other ones because each person say his name, say her name is specific. It's not symbolic. So, uh, you know, it's this ongoing tragedy will not end until we have a fundamental change to American policing, not reform. Reform is a dirty word. Reform stands in the way of fundamental change. We need actual fun. And until we get fundamental change, like along the lines of like abolition of the police and a complete reimagining of public safety, we will continue to have more George Floyd's uh, and Breonna Taylor's and Richard Brooks and Elijah uh, McLean's and on and on and on. I just, you know, that story, and thank you for sharing it because I did not know uh, until I went on uh, your Instagram. Like, this country is just fucking exhausting. Like, it is just exhausting. And so, again, just to, like, circle back to the idea of leaving is, like— about a fucking reprieve from this. Like sometimes I think to myself, I want to know what it is like to live without fear, right? Like yeah. as a black woman walking down the street, as a queer person wanting to hold the hand of the person that I'm with, as, you know, um, just to be able to exist, Right. To be able to think that like my younger cousin, if he's fooling around with his friends because he's 20 years old and 20 year olds are stupid. Right. That he isn't going to end up dead. Right. That like my friends, they're worrying about their husbands, their little boys, their little girls because they're black and what can happen to them. And their childhood is being stolen from them because they have to be forced to grow up and recognize that the world doesn't see them as children. I want to know what it's like. Right to live that kind of freedom. And I'm not saying that there is a, a, a Wakanda, a, a beautiful, magical place in the world where Black people exist that is free without, you know, government corruption, without, uh, without you know, misogyny and other forms of violence. But white supremacy just, like, is just so suffocating which is why we are all talking about the fact that we can't fucking breathe because the you know, system you, is on our necks for from the moment that we are born. 
And so, you know, the idea of going to another place and being able to watch what is unfolding in America as as a Black Mirror episode and not having to be injected into it, to me, does sound a bit like Wakanda. It sounds like, you know, a, a, a beautiful sedative that is, that, it, that, is, that is needed for the anxiety that riddles my body every day. Let me, um, I want to talk about Wakanda for a second, but let me not have folks think that when I'm doing a list publicly or internally, the the horrific roll call that we all know off the top of our head, that I am leaving out our trans brothers and sisters like Nina Pop and Tony McDade. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just too many to remember at a given moment, but I am not forgetting them. But I know that the trans folks are quite often left out of these conversations. Um, so I want to, you know, make a special uh, dispensation to make sure that I'm giving them name as well. Um, but, you know, I am I am generally against the ideas I've already laid out, uh, against the idea of leaving America for another country that is currently already constituted. But when you mentioned Wakanda, and I don't want to reduce it to a silly fictional discussion, but what immediately came up for me was like, well, wait a minute now. If you're talking about a, a significant group of us leaving to create an entirely new country that would be a beacon and an example to the world of, look, you can do things entirely differently. And black and brown people can come together to create a country that runs extraordinarily well, that does not have the problems that this country has, that shows you you can run. A, the ideas that we've been talking about are not utopianist, that you can actually do this and that that could have a long-term impact on the rest of the globe of like, Oh, well, in Torrey land, they actually don't have police and it works really well. And they don't have this and they don't have that. And it actually works really well. Like, oh, like you can do, you know, like now that would be an interesting project. But just to fade away into another country that already exists and have to deal with, you know, the problems that they have. I'm not, you know, and, and forgive, forbid America, get rid of America. I'm not in, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> but if you want to do this, but if you want to do this Wakanda thing, we can talk about that. <laughs> okay. Well, then I want to do the Wakanda thing, which I commonly call with my friends the commune thing, which is that you start out with like a street somewhere and then you slowly begin to build out with more and more people who have expertise in different industries, in different places, and you build it out. There are places that, you know, folks are trying to invest in and go um, and do this. And I'm saying, you know, at one time, it was considered radical, just like defunding the police, which has become a mainstream conversation. And I think that what has us uh, continue to have some type of possibility is when we are expansive about what those possibilities are. That maybe it is possible to build a life, one that is rich and full and free of anxiety and stress and grief and sadness and paranoia um, outside of the U.S., uh, someplace, someplace else. You know, I wouldn't mind spending six months of the year building that and six months of the year trying to fix this fuck show. <laughs> um all right 
well, I think we've fully solved that issue. Uh, <laughs> Torrey and I are going to build Wakanda. Y'all can come. I would be curious to know from uh, the Twitter folks, the Twitter fans who are still listening, who use the hashtag democracy ish. Let us know. Are you, are you feeling like you are willing to be committed to staying in America for the next 10 to 20 years and fighting to make America better? Or if you're like, I am really trying to start to figure out how I can move to another country and just be done with this place. I'd be curious to see what uh, what folks are thinking, especially after oh, this I'm conversation. Totally, I'm totally curious. So folks, get at us. Hell yeah. And use the, use the hashtag democracy-ish so we can see you. Um, so thank you for listening to another d- issue episode. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we will be back next week if... There is a country and we're also in the country. <laughs> Pray about it. <laughs> Pray about it. Thanks, y'all. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Act Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.